welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, May 25th, 2022, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and as always, I'm joined by Dr. Rick. And today we have a great conversation for you. We're so excited to have two friends and pastors on with us, uh, the discipleship pastor and the missions pastor from Northport Baptist Church, Scott Green. And Scott has been a longtime friend and partner and just love seeing what the Lord is doing through Northport Baptist, uh, through the missions, through just all the outreach that Northport has, both in its community and around the world. And he and his wife, uh, Dina, have had such a great ministry to the unborn uh, through their time in North Birmingham with the North Jefferson Women's Center and just all the ways that they have connected with life. And then we also are joined by Alex Cohen and Alex is with Skyland Baptist. He's the associate pastor there with a focus on families and missions. And he originally is uh, from Scotland and we are so grateful to have him. And I know that you will enjoy hearing from him and every single one answer. And as we always say, anyone that usually is born uh, in the UK, their IQ always goes up so many points. And so uh, he will obviously be the smartest person on the podcast, but I hate for all the rest of these guys, he will not be the most passionate person on the podcast. That will go to none other than Tracy Newell. And many of you know Tracy Newell, and I love being able not just to say this in public, not just being able to say this in private, but being able to get recorded saying this. She has the depth of Kay Arthur, one of the most deep young women, uh, loves God's word, teaches God's word, um, so deep, but she has the passion of Beth Moore. She is one of the most passionate people I know. So to have depth and passion is such a gift. And we are joined by Tracy Newell, who is our national director of church-based programs and families count. And so we're grateful to have these friends with us. Before we start our conversation, I do want to remind you about Bridge Educational Services. You know, summer break can be a great time to have extra help with tutoring and preparing your child for next school year. Bridge Educational Services customizes an educational plan for you and your child with cutting edge techniques, but filtered through a biblical worldview. If you're interested in getting some extra tutoring, some extra help to help that child that is in your home, either in foster care or through adoption, who might be struggling with their educational needs, Bridge Education just might be for you. So see our show notes for more information or to connect with one of our education specialists. And then you can always go to our website, lifelinechild.org backslash educational dash services. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash educational dash services. Well, it's the time of the podcast that everyone grows to love. It's when we bring on the venerable Dr. Rick, uh, a guy who needs no introduction, the man who has written so many books, authored so many talks, and is world-renowned for his love for caring for the fatherless. And Dr. Rick, we are going to be here with a, a great conversation about something that I know is passionate to all of us, and that's Families Count. Yeah, Herbie, you know, today we get to delve in and talk about one of those things that we have a special love for. And and I think there of all the things that we do at Lifeline, um, Families Count has really, I think, captured a lot of our hearts and our imagination as we've seen the Lord do something really important 
through his church for for families that really are many times at a distance from the church. Uh, one of the one of the things that I really enjoyed over the last several years is we've talked to pastors and and worked with churches to to bring families count to bear in communities all over the U.S. is the obvious connection that the gospel has in in the midst of this ministry. And I know you and I both have experienced at times sitting down with pastors and talking about orphan care, talking about care for for the vulnerable. And and the question that always kind of seems to bubble to the surface when a church hasn't been engaged in that way is how does how does that not distract us from from the central mission of making disciples? And I think this is one of those one of those things that very obviously shows how it's it's central to the idea of making disciples. And so we'll we'll unpack as we move along. If you haven't heard about Families Count or don't know, you know, what this ministry is, but it, it's essentially um, a way for local churches to engage at-risk families who have become entangled or are in danger of becoming entangled in the child welfare system in their community um, to provide a service that they need and help them with a parenting class. But churches get to do this in a way that they're able to bring the gospel to bear in the lives of these parents, and they're able to initiate um, personal relationships and discipling relationships. And I think um, there are very few things that that we do that just about every conversation you have with someone in a church, they're immediately you know, responsive and questioning and kind of leaning in. Families count is one of those places and one of those things where there's always interest because it's it's just different. It's kind of out of the box. And so really excited today for us to jump into the conversation and to to talk to Scott and Alex and and hear from Tracy and just talk about the way that the Lord's practically using this in, uh, in you know, in the lives of, of real churches and real communities. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tracy, why don't you do this for us? I know that uh, Families Count is is something that is 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 like a child to you. It's something that that you saw the Lord birth, and you've put so much blood, sweat, and tears into this ministry. Uh, why don't you introduce just this movement that's going on in Tuscaloosa County, and especially with these churches? Yeah, when Rick approached me about recruiting some churches for a podcast, Scott came to mind because Scott, who started his relationship with Families Count at a different church in the northwestern region of Birmingham, um, ended up relocating two or three years ago to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And immediately, Scott started advocating for Families Count in Tuscaloosa County. And part of that advocacy has been reaching out to other churches to do this collaboratively. And so Scott was responsible for bringing a number of churches to an info meeting and luncheon last spring. And Alex, that's when I had the pleasure of meeting you for the first time. So Skyland Baptist was represented there. And I think the churches around the table, particularly Northport Baptist and Skyland Baptist, see such an opportunity for churches to work together to reach more parents in Tuscaloosa County. So, Scott, I would love for you to elaborate on that a bit. Um, this was really your desire to see churches come together. And why, Scott? What, what is the need in, in Tuscaloosa from your viewpoint? Well, you said it well. We came here three and a half years ago to Northport, uh, coming from Jefferson County. And 
that was one of the conditions for me to come to this new church at the Wilkeport Baptist. I told the senior pastor, if I come, I'm bringing families count with me. I believe in it that much. It's non-negotiable for me because I see the benefit and the ministry opportunities to reach families that are, don't know Christ, number one. So I love, love, love this ministry. It's hard, it's difficult, but it's such a blessing to be able to interact with families in need of Christ and need restoration. So coming here, having, I think me and Dina were trying to add up how long we've been doing Families Count at the prior church. I think tall toll has been five years. Is that correct, Tracy, about five years? So, so two years at the previous church, three years now here. And coming here, we were the only church when I came to North Tuscaloosa County. First church to bring families count to Tuscaloosa County. So I really didn't know anybody. I knew the senior pastor in this county and that was it. So it really took me a year and a half to two years to really get acclimated to the community, uh, to meet other pastors. And plus COVID was going on in the midst of all this. So that really slowed the process down. So it really took two years, including COVID, to really get to the place where, okay, I've got several friends and like-minded pastors here in the community that I believe that would come on board and be a part of this, if not now, maybe in the future. So we hosted this luncheon. We had you come down and had a great turnout, a lot of interest around the table. And I was so thrilled that Alex and his church was represented there. And from the very beginning of that meeting, I think, Alex, you could step in. I think you were excited from the very moment you heard about it. Am I correct? Absolutely. Uh, the whole family's count concept was something that um, we'd been talking about as pastors ourselves. How can we reach hurting people in our communities? And we were working through that and thinking through that. And then along comes Tracy and explains to me this way in which we can really connect with the most vulnerable, hurting people in our in our communities. I mean, um, we, we often do a lot of things at church that bring in people we know and people like us. Um, but how do we get the people in our community who are hurting the most, who might never come to our church, who we don't have any connection with? And Families Count really um, gave us a way to do that. It gave us an opportunity to minister to people that we felt that we um, were struggling to minister to. It was, it was a great, it was a great, I remember that luncheon. It was great to come with so many like-minded pastors. And um, I remember Tracy and your um, passion for it, Tracy, spoke volumes. Uh, your love for these families and for these children um, and for Families Count as a program, um, Sean, and it, um, I think I walked away going, this is, this is something we seriously need to consider as a church for. Yeah, and one of the things that I just love, because many may not know, but Tuscaloosa County is my home county, and I love seeing just the needs, because a lot of times Tuscaloosa has such a a, a population, a transient population even, uh, but yet sometimes it's forgotten and underserved, especially when it comes to vulnerable families and vulnerable children there in the county. and. You know, one of the things that as the Lord does, he always sovereignly has things rigged. It just so happens that when Scott came to this church in Northport, that I was on a rhythm of preaching every Sanctity of Human Life Orphan Sunday, and I actually got to preach the Sunday that they were launching Families Count. And and that just worked so beautifully and so perfectly. But Scott, I, I would be interested to know not only about the ministry that you guys have seen to families and children, 
but also how this has bolstered the relationship with with DHR for Child Protective Services in Tuscaloosa County and how Northport's been able to serve even that staff to show them the love of Christ. Yeah, um, they are desperate for support and advocacy to come alongside them. And I think that for us being willing to say, how can we help you minister to you? We started the relationship with a phone call. Had to kind of do a little digging. Who is the persons we need to bring to the table to introduce Families Count? And so we had the director, the assistant director, and had a room full of social workers all come together for a coffee and donuts one morning. We just treated them to that, to have a little bit of their time, and just shared the ministry to them and what we could do for them and alongside them. Honestly, it was super easy because there's such desperation for as many partners to come alongside these families that it was like, yes, green light, green light, go, go, go. <laughs> I mean, there was no obstacles to overcome. It was just an open red carpet laid out for us. That, yes, come on, bring this. We want this in the community. And it was like, yeah, there was a um, trial and error. Let's just see what we think about it. You know, we'll, we'll launch it and see what the response is from our parents how you guys do as a church, uh, providing what you say you're going to do. And uh, we have, the calls have not stopped to send us referrals. So this is, what, two years running now. So they're still bringing us parents that need the class, and we're still continuing to level them in as best as we can. They're so overwhelmed with work. They're so busy. They, they don't have a whole lot of time for just uh, niceties. But whenever we do get together, it's always a warm, warm relationship. Scott, that's really awesome. I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that that you have done in this situation in introducing the idea of Families Count to other pastors in your community is something that we've seen honestly happen over and over again all over the country. And I, I think um, there's a pattern that sort of evolved that um this need is usually so vast in a community. There's usually so, you know, so much opportunity that one church can't possibly, you know, help to or be able to help all of the people and, and be able to reach all the people in, that are in the system. And so, um, you know, you're bringing in of, of Alex and others and, and through relationship kind of helping to onboard some other churches is is what we see as kind of almost a, a primary growth pattern. Alex, I'm curious from from your point of view, being a new church that started doing Families Count, um, what are what are some of the hurdles maybe that you, that you guys have had to to face or or some challenges that you've had to face to to begin Families Count and and really to get into a rhythm to to minister well to these to these families that are coming to you from uh, from the system. There's two hurdles that I initially thought were going to be really difficult for us. Um, firstly, was starting a new ministry right out of COVID when we're still trying to recover from COVID and we'd lost a lot of volunteers. And we'd especially lost a lot of volunteers in that older senior adult age bracket. Um, And in our church, they've done a lot of things. So a lot of our younger people are already stretched thin as it is. And one of your worries is we start something new and we burn out the same people who do everything. And so if I'm honest, that was one of my worries that as pastors, we'd come to the church with this vision of something we would do and the people just wouldn't respond. Um, but I, I was completely wrong. And this is one of the reasons why I had such a good experience with Families Count is that we had about a team of 
10 to 15 people who is now our family's count team at our church. And every single one of them joined our church in the last two years and weren't serving anywhere else. So it was a great place for new people in our church to step forward. And one of the reasons is, you know, I had a, a man come to me and say, I, I, I want to I counsel people and I want to connect with people on a heart level and I want to care for broken people. And this is an avenue for me to do that. Um, we had people who just wanted to come and be mentors. We had people who said, I just want to be on the transportation team. And that's how I want, that's what I want to do. So it was, I was initially quite worried about that. Um, but it was amazing to see the Lord provide. And it was amazing to see who in our congregation stepped forward to help, who, if I'm quite frankly honest, I never thought they would. And boy, was I wrong. Um, secondly, I was quite apprehensive about DHR. Never worked with DHR before. Um, you know, I could organize the best team and we could have everything in place. But if DHR doesn't give us their referrals, no one comes. Um, so like Scott said, the DHR and Tuscaloosa are good to work with. They're very busy, chronically overworked. Um, and I went down there one day and I just said, can I just speak to who's in charge? And it's probably a little bit weird when a Scottish guy turns up and says, can I just speak to who's in charge here? And I said to them, I don't, I've never really done this before. But I just want to speak to you that we're a local church here and we're doing this program, Families Count. It's a six-week six week parenting class and we want to do it because we love the parents in our community. And if parents are about reconciliation with our children, we're going to do everything we can to support them. And um, I went back the next week and I took, uh, I got $10 Chick-fil-A gift cards for all of the um, social workers. And that seemed to do the trick because after that, uh, we started to get lots of referrals. But what was very encouraging was about two or three weeks ago, I got an email from one of the social workers and said, hey, when's your next parenting class? And to me, that's huge because what that shows is, is it's their validation. It's their validation of saying, hey, we know you were trying out this thing. We've had some good feedback. Tell us when you're starting again because we've got some people ready to go. So that was very encouraging for me. Yeah, may I chime in here, gentlemen, that this is consistently the feedback that we get from state to state and county to county is the excellence with which this class and ministry are done. And um, I always encourage our churches who in the beginning feel like the CPS, the Child Protective Services piece is, is so daunting and there's so much trepidation surrounding just getting a foot in the door to just never stop marveling at the ease of access the Lord has given us from place to place. The reality is these very overburdened caseworkers and supervisors and even judges have seen the reality that nothing is really working effectively in these moms and dads' lives. And when they see the church step into the lives of these parents and surround them with this, just with this community, um, they lean in and they, they take notice. And so Alex, to your point, we just consistently get that feedback and I'm so proud of you. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, and one of the reasons that CPS and Child Protective Services keep coming back is because they're seeing the success. And, you know, for us, we know that the success is in 
the community, and it's in the gospel of Christ Jesus. And Scott, I, I'd love to know just how have you seen lives changed uh, through Families Count? What are what are some some families that have come through Northport Baptist that have left changed as a result of this program? There have been, um, in the course of two years here, uh, multiple families come through our program, countless number of children that are a part of each mom and dad represented case example. Uh, we just had a class of six parents, individuals come through our last class in the spring. And I said, uh, tell me moms and dads, how many children do each of you have? And we added up, it was like 26 children represented among these six adults. And so you're, you're, you're not just ministering and impacting just those individuals sitting in the classroom. You're touching those children that are getting to be reunific- reunified their children. And so we have seen moms and dads already reunified with their children as a result partly because of the class, in addition to their other steps that those moms and dads are taking, a lot of hoops they had to go through and a lot, of, a lot of work on their part. But we've seen reunification. And hot off the press, just today, just a few minutes ago, I got a text from one of our mentors. Uh, she's going to do some other ministry, and I was texting with her about some business, and she said, well, I'm with Ashley right now, taking her, driving her around, looking for an apartment. Ashley's one of our students from the last semester. That was her mentor, mentee, and she's been investing in this young lady. She helped drive her to a job application at a local business. She got she got hired. She got accepted, and she shot a text to uh, my mentor. Here's me in my new outfit. Took a selfie. So proud of her getting a job. And so now she's driving around with this mentee to help her find an apartment. And so this is where I love the continuation of the relationship with our mentors to the mentees. They're investing. They're doing whatever it takes to see them, not just take the the head knowledge of this is what I know I should do, but how can I do this when I don't have a car? or I don't know where to start, where well, that mentor comes along and says, hey, if you want to go do job applications, I'll go with you, I'll drive you. And so this is what I love is to see the, that ongoing relationship. And it just thrills my mentor to know end to see the joy of the pride of this young lady getting a job. And so it's just that next step to getting reunification with your child. And so love it, love it, love it. You know, Scott, one of the things that I've, I've said a bunch in, in talking to churches about just our responsibility to live out James 127 and to, to be on mission to care for, you know, vulnerable children, vulnerable families is this kind of this concept. And I think this, I think this meets theological muster, but you know, like you look at James 127 and the second half of the verse, um, the keep one's un, keep, keep oneself unstained from the world peace is something we don't question in the church. Um, like we personal holiness is everybody's responsibility and it's, and it's everybody's task to do, but we've kind of taken care for the vulnerable and particularly care for vulnerable children and, and vulnerable families and have placed it into a category in the church where it's just something a few people do. And, and I think what you're illustrating and, and kind of, you know, what you're describing is really this incredible thing that we've seen the Lord do 
where uh, people do things that are just insanely normal, right? Like they're not, they're not, it's not adopting. It's not, you know, foster care. It's not these things that are, you know, these, these life altering kind of things, but they're taking what they have and they're taking their opportunity. And, and, and so they've got a car and some time so they can provide transportation. They've got the ability to cook a casserole. And so they can show up and, you know, bring a meal and, and it brings relevance to people in the body of Christ. And when they connect that to, the fact they're a part of gospel ministry when they're doing that. These are people that that we're you know we're sharing the gospel with, and and we're helping to to walk with them and to see you know see them follow Jesus more closely, and all the things that we get to do with these families. It's it's really kind of an you know an exceptional opportunity. I think Alex, one of the things that is also a, a part of this, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, I think, but is that sometimes in the church we we struggle. Um, because we get really isolated on our little corner of the world. And so we have our people and we have our neighborhood and, and kind of those points of influence that we have. And, and we get isolated from, from one another in local churches. Right. And, and so, um, sometimes honestly, even that has, you know, a negative feel and has almost like a competitive kind of feel, but what you guys are modeling for the community is something that's totally not that in collaboration and finding ways to work together. And, you know, and, and so I, I'd, I'd be curious just to hear you talk and Scott jump in there and, and, and you guys talk about this together um, about how, how has this collaboration um, really worked and how, how's it been effective and how's it helped your churches to serve together in, in the community that the, the Lord's, you know, giving you responsibility for. Yeah, I'll I'll um, give a quick answer to that. So our churches are geographically on other sides of the city. Uh, we're probably about 25 minutes apart. So last year, it was our first year, and, and we ended up doing Families Count around about the same time. And some of the people actually came to our Families Count and signed up to Northports, and they discovered that our church was 25 minutes closer for them to come. So, um, But this year, I just spoke to Scott last week, actually, um, this year, I called Scott, I got his dates for his family's count, and we're now going to do it a lot earlier, so we're not at the same time, and so people who can't make ours can make his. Um, and it's it's my prayer that we'll actually have more churches in Tuscaloosa County. Uh, yeah, I think two times a year is probably the maximum that our church can do right now. Um, I don't know how many for Scott, uh, but I tell you something, there's there's a need for a lot more of these here. That's right. Yeah, uh, Alex is right. Uh, by coordinating our calendars together, it allows more opportunities for those parents to finish the course because because life is happening to them and it's only six weeks. So in six weeks, a lot of big events can happen in somebody's life. You know, your car breaks down or job changes, whatever, gets sick. And you miss a class that you don't get to graduate. And so by having the coordination with Alex and, and Skyland to where, okay, hey, no problem. You missed today. Well, even though we finished, but, but good news, their class is still going on or will start in another couple of days or a couple of weeks. And you can catch that class that you miss and you'll graduate with them. So it's creating more opportunities to ensure their success as opposed to, a one and done. Well, sorry, you missed out. Got to wait till six months from now or three months from now. 
you know, this, this ex expedites the process for those parents. Not only did we partner with uh, Families Count, even the, you know, um, was it last year that we loaned our church bus to the local principal near your school? You know, y'all were doing an after school program and needed some more transportation. Say, use our bus, you know, and uh, somebody came and borrowed the bus. So there's a strong sense of cooperation among the churches here in Tuscaloosa County that I really appreciate and honor each one of these guys for what they're doing in their heart. It's, it's not a matter of being territorial. It's like, this is all belongs to God. This is God's kingdom, God's resources. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. You know, share it. If you need it, we got it. Take advantage of it, you know? If we can't collaborate um, on helping and reaching hurting families in this ministry of reconciliation, then then we're in a really bad situation. Yeah, and I'm struck, I'm really struck by how sweetly that models the unity of the body of Christ to CPS too. I mean, I, I imagine they are also taking notice of how well the two churches are working together. Well, and Tracy, you've, you've found over time that proximity is really important because of you know because of some some pretty consistent factors with families that are ministered to through families camp why don't you unpack that a little bit and, and just talk about the the necessity of of being in a, a close by community for these families yeah you know this is not something we necessarily anticipated when we launched into this ministry seven and a half years ago but just a recurring theme that we are seeing from place to place where we're doing families count is parents who at the end of the six week class are sincerely sad for this process to end. And so we have parents who literally will repeat families count twice, three times. It's just amazing. For that reason, we want churches who are central to the parents that we are gonna serve for that reason and, and many others, an overarching goal of Families Count is that parents will continue to be discipled by our church partners. It's absolutely essential that the relationship does not end with the class or at the end of six weeks. In order for these mamas and daddies to truly understand what it means to walk with Jesus and to have that continued community of support that I alluded to earlier, then they have to have closeness, physical proximity to the church. Um, and so I love what you said earlier, Alex, that you had mamas and daddies who signed up for Northport, but who ended up going to Skyland Baptist because they discovered the class was 20, 25 minutes closer to them. That just ensures the, the likelihood that they will continue in relationship with the church. So guys, I, I just love to hear kind of as we close out, we've talked a lot about the impact it's had on us individually, on the families, on child protective services, but what are some stories of impact on how it's impacted the people of both North, Northport Baptist and Skyland Baptist? So Scott, how, how has this even changed the people at Northport Baptist? When we asked, some individuals to get involved with this in different roles. You know, you know, there's there, there's the transporters. There's somebody that's got to cook a meal in the kitchen to get ready to serve them. 
then we got servers, and then we have the mentors. As our church family, the ones that are involved with this, number one, they're broken. They're truly broken when they see individuals come in for the meal hungry. Not, I'm not talking about spiritual hunger. I'm talking about physically hungry. They're not eating because they're just destitute of resources. And so the, the sheer joy of eating a good, hot, prepared meal and the simplicity of the act of service is like, I can do this every week. I'm like Captain America. I can do this all day long. You know, yeah, give me the kitchen. Let me serve a meal to these people. They need it. I can do this. It's a blessing. It's easy for me to do. So there's a, there's a our hearts are broken over the, the genuine need of the individuals that come onto our campus. And then when they interact with them, when they sit down with a meal and they talk about life together and learn about their children, they learn that these moms and dads truly love their kids. They love them. Yeah, they've made some bad choices. Yeah, they're in a bad rock and a hard place right now. But they love their kids and they're just dote over them and so proud of them when they talk about them. And so they, they realize these individuals are just like me. So I love my kids too. They love their kids. They're normal moms and dads. They've just made some poor choices. And so they want that just emboldens them to want to come alongside them and love them, just love them with a meal, love them with transportation, conversation, a listening ear. Uh, but it also breaks their heart. At, a, at Skyland, we had a similar sort of experience, Scott, with uh, just that eye-opening. I know what you mean, just that eye-opening of, I can do this. It doesn't take some sort of superhero. It's not some sort of super Christian who's memorized half the Bible who's able to do this, but just sitting there and listening to someone. I mean, I remember we had a meeting beforehand. I think everyone's worried of what am I going to say? How am I going to handle this situation? And then these people come through the door and they make these genuine relationships. And the greatest thing for us was the graduation ceremony to see just how in six short weeks they'd made those deep relationships and they'd formed relationships outside of the church setting, which I thought was great. Hearing how the mentors had been, you know, we had uh, one girl who needed to take her, um, our, our child to a dentist appointment and didn't have a way to get there. So our mentor went and picked them up and took them and they're forming res- this relationship. And people in our church are stepping outside of the church walls and to care for them and show them the love of Christ. It was just um, it was really amazing. Well, Tracy, you know, we've heard all the ways that, that these two churches are serving one another, serving their community. But for maybe someone who's listening to this podcast and they want to see those same types of things happen in their community or through their church, how can they learn more about Families Count and get more engaged with bringing Families Count to their church? Yes, so the Lord, as he has expanded our territory, has given us the privilege of taking trainings throughout the country. So by visiting our Families Count page on our website, lifelinechild.org, you can see a listing of where our training teams will be going next. And it's as easy as clicking on one of those locations and registering the two-day trainings that we do regionally. They offer that broad overview of the ministry, but 
Also get your class co-leaders and other volunteers ready to do this. So we'll meet you where you are, literally. Absolutely. And we would love for you and your church to get engaged with Families Count. Alex and Scott and Tracy, we thank you so much for coming and just sharing a little bit about how Families Count has impacted you all personally, your church family, your community, and ultimately these families. And so for the highly esteemed Dr. Rick, we thank you for joining us on the Defender Podcast, and we'll see you again, Lord willing, next week. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.